All right, who loves a summer barbecue as much as I do? Listen, if you want to impress everyone with some super yummy dishes, you need ButcherBox in your life. ButcherBox is my go-to subscription box that delivers high-quality meat and seafood to your door with free shipping always. And I'm talking high-quality cuts at an amazing value. 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. We are saving so much money every month with ButcherBox over going to the grocery store and buying meat and seafood and saving a lot of time. But get this, last month we saved nearly $200. I also love that ButcherBox curates these tips and recipes that are based on your box so you know what to cook. I made the most amazing steak with a basil sauce the other night. And oh, let me tell you, my friends all raved at how amazing it tasted. I'm definitely going to be pulling that recipe out. If you want great meat and seafood in your life, you need ButcherBox. Sign up for ButcherBox today by going to butcherbox.com etm and use code etm at checkout and enjoy your choice of bone-in chicken thighs, top sirloins, or salmon in every box for an entire year, plus get $20 off. Again, that's butcherbox.com etm and use code etm. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I think people just are tough on themselves and they think, well, all I can really do is create a small company or, or I, or I'm not that good. I can't, I can only accomplish this much. And why not shoot for the stars? Because first of all, you will get a lot closer. Even if you don't make it, you'll get a lot closer than you otherwise would have had you not shot for the stars. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. What do your big dreams look like? I'm talking those big dreams here. Do you want to turn your entrepreneurial dreams into the next hot company? or propel your side hustle into a full-time business. You want, no matter what your big dreams are, our guest, Liz Elting, will inspire you in this episode. Liz is an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, Forbes' richest self-made woman, and the author of the new book, Dream Big and Win. She took her big dream all the way from her New York University dorm room into the world's largest provider of language and technology solutions for global businesses. So yeah, She knows a little thing about dreaming big and winning. In this episode, you'll hear not only how to dream big, but also how to win in business and life, practical steps to bring your entrepreneurial dreams to life, how to know if your passion can actually turn into a profitable business, and Liz's business and life advice if she was just going to start it all over again. So here's to your big dreams. Let's start talking. You know, the title of your, your new book really grabbed my attention. I have been someone who has 
dreamed very big all my life. But, you know, to be honest, the older I get, I think the harder it is for me to really lean into those dreams and to feel like they're they're still possible, all those self-doubts and, you know, all the muck of life just kind of gets in the way. So I'm glad you're here with us to really like help us usher back into this this dream big uh, kind of attitude that I know so many of us want to embrace and give us some practical steps to really bring those into reality. But, you know, just to get us off, I thought this might be fun to talk about for a minute. You know, why is dreaming big? Why is it important at any age? Because I think it keeps life interesting. It keeps life exciting. It makes it so that you're not just going through the motions of, of life, but thinking to yourself, what do I really want to do? What's going to make me incredibly happy? And then just being bold, taking that risk and going for it. So I think that's why it's so, so important. And how do we balance those dreams that, you know, we've all had dreams from from our childhood, you know, I want to be this, or I want to be a doctor or a fireman, or, you know, kind of all those things that we that we uh, stated really emphatically we were going to be as, as a kid. How do we balance some of the dreams that haven't come to reality, whether that's money or that's life or relationships or whatever's kind of gotten in the way, like how do we balance those that haven't, uh, you know, born into existence with our, our ability to keep dreaming? Right. And that's a great question. And I, I think of my own situation because obviously that's the easiest to look at. And in some ways, I've definitely accomplished my dreams and been very fortunate. And in others, I certainly haven't. And I think in both cases, you learn so much. I mean, from the things that have, like, if there's certain things I wanted personally, for example, and they didn't come <laughs> through, I think, okay. But it doesn't mean I can't ultimately have them. I'm, I've learned what I did right and what I did wrong, and I'm going to keep shooting for them. And they're likely to come through. And then with the things that have gone better, also, I've made plenty of mistakes along the way and um, learned what I did right and what I did wrong, and, and they're worth it. So I think in any case, it's about the journey along the way. You know, I mean, the, I mean not it's about the journey. It's not just the destination, all the exciting situations that have happened, the, the crazy things we've done, the things that went wrong. That's the journey. And those are the stories we have to tell. And it's a wonderful experience, whether it's gone well or not gone well. And then we just move on to the next thing. I like that. I like the idea of journey because I, I think we feel like, especially with dreams and and the second part of your dream big is is win. We tend to think that there's this like destination that we get to. And until we've gotten to that destination, we we can't be happy or we can't feel fulfilled or whatever it might be. And so I like that you talk about this idea of of journey. Yes, I think you know, people always say it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And I feel that because obviously the when when you're working so hard on something for many, many years with an ultimate goal, it, it can't be that you wait to be happy until you've gotten achieved gotten to that goal, until you've achieved that goal, either because it takes too long or you may never get there. So you really have to enjoy the journey and try to find a, and create a journey that it, that has qualities that you like, the people, the tasks, the lessons you're learning all of it. So I think that's so incredibly important. And that in itself is winning. You are, you're somebody who certainly has 
had your share of of big dreams. You built uh, your former company, Transperfect, out of your NYU dorm room, which is something I can relate to because I started my first business when I was in college at 19. And so I, I can share kind of your passion there. And you've since been recognized by Forbes, one of the richest self-made women, which is amazing. We have to talk about that. Um, but in a recent podcast episode you were on, you talked about entrepreneurship as what you called a great equalizer and a wealth building tool for everyone. So first, you know, take us back to 1992 when you're, you're in your dorm room in, in New York and you, you know, kind of had this idea to, to start a business. Like how did, how did you get to that point? how did you breathe life into that? Oh, thank you. Thank you for asking. Shanna. And yes, what happened was I was in New York. Uh, at this point, I had studied four languages, lived in five countries, graduated from college, was fortunate to find a job in the translation industry. And I thought, how perfect is this? Combining my passion with business. Did it for three years. Absolutely loved the industry, but learned and thought, thought and learned that it could be done better. And I thought there was a real gap between what clients needed and what was available in the industry. So went back to business school, got my MBA from NYU, and had a very brief stint in finance, which I can talk about, but that's a whole other story and <laughs> anecdote, and, and went through that. And then I thought, okay, this is not my passion. This is not what I want to do. And yes, it seems stable, secure. I will make a certain amount of money if I stay in this, but there's more to life than money. <laughs> I And there are other ways to make money. And I was young at the time. I was only 26. I was used to living like a student. And I thought, if not now, when? So I I left that job after only six weeks. And then I started, started my company out of an NYU dorm room, as I said. And that was with no money, but it was a dream. And another thing I'll say, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, um, I didn't have a brand new idea, right? Mm, it, right okay. You do not have to invent something entirely new to be wildly, wildly successful. I instead thought I had loved that industry, but I thought it could be done better. And there were 10,000 translation companies out there at the time. So there were other people doing it. So I thought if I have, if I do this, I want to go big, you know, build the biggest, the largest in the industry. That was the goal. And I was fortunate to be able to do that. But back to your equalizer question, because I think that's the most important point of all. And that's a lot of what I focus on now. I was lucky. I, I My timing was fortunate. It was the beginning of globalization. And I was familiar with the industry. Uh, and I had a good background. I had a great education, great experience, all of that. But people always say education is the great equalizer. Certainly it is. But as you said, another great equalizer is entrepreneurship because anybody can do it. And you can do it without a lot of money, just with, with a passion, with a dream, and with hard work. And that is a lot of what I focus on now. And I, I speak to other uh, new young entrepreneurs and, and more seasoned entrepreneurs about different ways to do it. But anybody can do it. And that's part of what makes it so incredibly wonderful. What would you say, uh, you know, you're kind of on the other side of the fence as the majority of us listening with, you know, having created a, a mass amount of wealth and we're over here still still trying to to knock away at that and build it. So, 
you know, what's what sort of advice would you give us that are maybe some some keys to financial success that you've kind of learned along the way? I mean, we talked a little bit about uh, the happiness piece that just arriving at a destination of a certain amount of money does not equal happiness. And I talk about that a lot on the show. And I think for a lot of people listening, they're still like, yeah, okay, but I would still love to like have that situation. But tell us a little bit, like just what are some of the the, the keys that lessons that you've learned over the years? Yes. And you're right. And I think everybody agrees. You need a threshold level of money to feel comfortable, you know, being able to pay your bills and all of that and be able to have some freedom to do what you want. But then beyond that, it's honestly, a lot of it is just hard work. One of the things I say is work today like no one else will, so you can live and give tomorrow like no one else can. And that's hard work for a sustained period of time. I know work-life balance uh, is a big thing right now, uh, much more so than it was when I started back in the (laughs) early 90s. But I think if you can create, build your company, uh, and it's great if it is your company, because if you're not building your dream, you're building someone else's, and then you can have the freedom to really create the culture you want and the life you want. But if you can do it and do it... um, in a cult, creating that dream culture that you would want if you worked there um, with the right values that are incorporating your values and with people who are smart, hardworking, overachievers like you, then it begins not to feel like work because you're all pursuing that same dream and there's a purpose behind it. And in any business, you can usually justify it by saying what the purpose is, you know, whether it's helping the world communicate or teaching people about finance or entrepreneurship or whatever it is, there, there's always a purpose. And if you focus on that and do it with the right people, with the right values, it's incredibly rewarding. And then it, it doesn't feel like work. And <laughs> there's probably, there may be nothing you'd rather be doing because you're, you're, you have a dream, you have a goal. How did you balance uh, like the tough moments in the entrepreneurial journey when there maybe wasn't enough money or maybe your your mindset was a little off or maybe there was fear or sabotage or, I, you know, so many different things kind of come in the mix there? Yes. And I think all entrepreneurs go through these experiences, right? Where, oh my gosh, how are we going to make payroll this week? And I remember a lot of that in the early days where we could barely make it. And I think what a lot of entrepreneurs do and ideally should be willing to do as long as they can is live on very little in the early years, if you can, minimize your expenses and then and take out you know very little, as I said, and then reinvest everything in the company because that's how you're going to scale it. And as far as building a big company, putting as much as you can into sales and marketing, um, because that's how you grow the business. And then as long as the revenue is profitable and you need to make sure your revenue is profitable over time, then you will scale it and you will have, you will create that, that big, you know, multi-million dollar business if that's your goal. But in the early days, it's tough. As you say, I mean, whether in our case, it was everything for, like clients showing up to the dorm room um, without <laughs> letting us know. Well, for the first one asked if she could, and I thought, oh boy, she wants to check out the operation. So I ran down to the lobby, intercepted her before before she got past the doorman. The second one showed up unexpectedly at the dorm room, but literally uh, on the at the apartment. <laughs> we called it a suite, but it was actually an apartment. <laughs> and so it was things like that 
It was things like it, when we finally had an office, another client wanted to check out the operation and that was not an office I ever wanted any client to see. So I had to put a sign up on the wall. I mean, crazy situations like that or, you know, things that empl- uh, entrepreneurs go through like employees stealing from them. Uh, uh, issues with their partner, in my case, litigation with my partner. I mean, crazy stuff. But if you keep your your eye on the ball, on the dream, and then obviously at a certain point, maybe you want to change something about it. You know, whether if you have the wrong employees, obviously you need to let them go immediately. You learn from that, okay, I must do background checks. Um, I must screen them properly to make sure they're honest. Uh, you go through some really bad stuff, but then you learn from it. And that is just, that that in itself is very exciting because I think most of us love learning, love growing, and that makes it all very interesting. But I think the, the last thing I'll say, because you like, you're, you say, how, how do you stick with it when the hours are tough and boy, can they be tough? A week or two of all-nighters straight, just thinking of that concept. If I work like no one else will, I I one day we'll be able to change the situation and maybe do something entirely different. That's my next dream. Yeah. You mentioned um, a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of things in there. You mentioned the the litigation of your ex-partner. I I just want to talk a little bit about the emotional side of that. I know from what I know, you started your business with your, he was your then fiance and you guys broke up. You still ran the business together um, and then you had this very public business breakup and we don't need all the details. If you're listening and you want to know, you can go ahead and Google and all of that sort of stuff. But what I really want to know is, you know, how that impacted you emotionally as, as a female entrepreneur. Yes. Thank you. Cause that was the toughest part. I mean, sure. I, I spent a fortune as did my ex-business partner. Uh, I, I, $50 million between wow. legal fees and, and selling the company and everything. But the emotional part was the hardest of all because the company was my child. It was my first non-human baby. And and boy, my heart and soul was into it, it, in, in it in a huge way. It had been, ultimately when I sold it, was over 25 years. So it was very, wow. very tough um, challenges with what were going on inside the company and the employees, very difficult situation, but I did have amazing advisors. I ultimately could rely on my my advisors, my attorneys, and then my friends and my family. And thank goodness for all of them, right? Because they were, they were the key. I I didn't, I didn't have a therapist. I still, I still haven't had a therapist because I am so incredibly fortunate to have such amazing friends that I lean on and probably bother too much with my (laughs) issues. But Thank goodness. I am so lucky because that made all the difference in the world. I have to tell you about my new obsession, Notion, our sponsor today. Notion has single-handedly changed how I do life for the better. I use Notion for all my daily journaling so I can keep it all in one spot. I also keep all our favorite recipes that are budget-friendly in Notion so I can easily sort and find the ones I love and easily create fast grocery list. And okay, one of the best uses of Notion, you can create a template for your money dates and track your goals right in Notion. Seriously, Notion is a game changer. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organize, and rediscover the joy of play. 
It's a workspace designed not just for making progress, but really getting inspired. It's an AI-powered workspace. It turns knowledge into action. You can use Notion to summarize meeting notes and auto-generate action items, get answers to questions in minute, and you can make all of your money tasks so much easier. Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company, freelance designer, starting a new startup, a student juggling classes and clubs, or just somebody really wanting to get your life together. Try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash etm. That's all lowercase letters. Notion.com slash etm and start turning ideas into action. And when you use our link, you're supporting our show. Notion.com slash etm. So tell me, what are your money goals that you have for this year? Maybe you're like me and endlessly looking for a house to buy and you're focused on saving for a down payment or you're drooling over traveling somewhere tropical this year and you want to save to pay for it, or you're ready to leave your job and build your own business. So you're going to need some startup funds. Whatever your goals are this year, Monarch can help you reach them. In fact, the Wall Street Journal named Monarch the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress towards financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. What I love about Monarch is it's simple and easy, customizable design, so the dashboard can look exactly the way you want it to. I'm also a big fan of creating custom budgets for things like travel. It's one of my favorite money tips. And Monarch lets you do this so easily. This is such a great way to stay motivated when you've got a lot of money goals. You can easily track your progress with every dollar that you save or spend. Remember, your brain loves to see progress and you should celebrate it when you're saving money. And honestly, I am so focused on privacy, so I really admire that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties. This means a lot to me and it should mean a lot to you as well. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of the show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. I know I'm a bit biased, but honestly, I think I have the best dog ever. Her name is Winnie Stardust, she is a golden mountain doodle, and she is full of spunk and fun, and she's never met a ball she does not love. I honestly, I would do anything for Winnie, and she has enriched my life so much. I can confidently say Winnie is absolutely one of the most priceless purchases I have ever made. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. In today's world, we insure a lot, from cars and homes to cell phones and even travel plans. But what about insurance for your cat or dog? With ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. This is what I call smart spending because, let's be real, those vet bills, they can be expensive. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program, they've been around for about 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure your pet's plan is unique as they are. Because vet bills, they can really add up, especially when you are least expecting it. 
It's simple. You use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash ETM. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTC Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. All right, Liz, now let's play your relationship with money is. I'm going to ask you four questions. Just give me the first thing that pops into your head. So question number one, this is a fun one. If you had to describe your relationship with money as a cartoon character, what would it be? I mean, I can definitely think of, first of all, Linus is a great uh, character and I loved the Peanuts, loved Snoopy growing up, by the way. Um, I, I want to give you a good answer and I'm doing a terrible job. I know. I think, you know, one important thing for me and my relationship money is with money is, I I was always I was careful with it when I was young. I was because I I always had to make my own money. I mean, my parents paid for the important things like education, but I I started working very young and I thought, okay, it gave me security, but um it also gives me freedom, but I have not answered your question. Uh cartoon character. Um maybe Lucy from peanuts? Well, Lucy, so Lucy, I was thinking about her, as you said, that so she charged five cents to, to help people. Yes. Yes. I mean, Lucy's an interesting character because she is so different from me as a person. And that's why I thought, well, I'll hesitate to mention her. First of all, I guess there she was, entrepreneur, which is great. But she, the difference between her and me is she was bold. She, she, I was not, I was, I was, when I was young, I went through a lot of stuff and I, I talk about it in my book about what I went through in 10th grade, a lot of drama, uh, me in sixth grade. Uh, so the point is, yes, I, I like to believe I'm entrepreneurial. Yes, I did end up being an entrepreneur, but but she was much bolder than I was back when I was young. I love it. All and, right, we'll go on to question number two. This is a fun one too. How many times a day would you say you think about money? You know, the truth is, as little as possible. Uh, <laughs> that's the truth. I It's interesting because I was fortunate to make money. And the way we were able to measure a lot of what was going on at the company is by, rev- by we had revenue goals and we needed to make them and we, need, we had prof- profitability goals and we needed to make them. But as long as that were happening, and I did need to focus on that a lot, I, you know, I, I was always more interested in thinking about and talking about other things. And certainly now, because my goals are not related to money, <laughs> they don't, they're not measured by money. I should say they're not measured by money. As I say, uh, almost never. I, I think about all the other fun and interesting things I get to do, like meet super interesting people and talk to them and learn from them and learn about new things. So, so as little as possible and, and very rarely, very, very rarely. Sorry. So the number three question is a little unfair because you, you probably have a version of this, but I still think it would be fun. So 
How would your life change if you never had to work for money again? What would you, would you be doing the same thing? Would you be doing something different? Well, I'm in that fortunate situation. So I don't have to work for money. And now it's about how can I use what I was fortunate enough to make? And, and I, I want to reiterate, I, my, the timing was right. I was lucky to be in a great industry. And then I met amazing people who cared about building the company as much as I did. And that is obviously the key. So I was one of the lucky ones. Now I don't have to worry about making money. So I get to focus on helping people and help who don't have the who didn't have those advantages and helping solve the problems of the world. And God knows we have lots of them. So there are lots of places for the money to go. And a lot of it is just figuring out where to apply that money. All right. And last question. What's your biggest, doesn't have to be biggest, but what's your biggest money mistake? that you've ever made? Maybe one you haven't even told anyone about. Money mistake. God knows. I've made so many mistakes in my life. Um, Okay. I do know what I did wrong. Um, This is interesting. When I invested money, when I had a lot of money, finally, after I had my liquidity event five years ago, I ended up um, investing in the stock market like people do. And, and, it was the end of the year and it was a very bad time. Um, was this 2018, I believe? Anyway, stock market went way down. And I, I was invest I was in equities, a lot of equities. I sold too quickly. I didn't wait it out. And I lost a lot of money in that one situ- part of my portfolio in that situation. And I thought, never again. Next time the market goes down for a few months. Don't sell. Wait it out. I mean, you, with the stock market over time, it always goes up. And I was just a beginner. I was a novice. And now I know better. So that was a huge financial mistake I made. Fortunately, I've gotten the money back now. But but that was stupid because I could have even more now. And that's just not, that was not smart investing. And I've learned from, from it. Yeah. If, if you're listening now and you've been listening to the show for a while, you know this, but this is new news to you, Liz. But I I got divorced in my early 30s, and um, it was financially devastating. My ex-husband basically got every single asset that I owned. Uh, but he also wanted my business ideas. He also wanted a stake in you know, my intellectual property that I had created. And I just, you know, I know this happens to so many people, female, males, it, it doesn't matter. But it's just so hard. I think the emotional side of, of, of a breakup, or certainly if you're an entrepreneur, you're trying to build something, it, it's hard to kind of dust yourself off and, and get back out there and, you know, keep going. It, it, it really, really is. You're right. And I remember at the time when I realized things were really going awry and my partner and I were going in different directions and there were all these emotional challenges I was having. I remember reading a lot of different books uh, when I had time, <laughs> when I wasn't you know, busy with all the issues and like, broken open, Elizabeth Lesser. I don't know if you're familiar with that mm, book, no. but yes, very interesting book and all about the challenges she had, but what she learned and how she grew from them. And then she moved into her next chapter and it's the concept of everything happens for a reason. Yes, it's it's so difficult at the time. It's major adversity, but then 
we we learn from it, we grow, we think, okay, but this, I'm experiencing all of this because I'm, I'm meant to, and it's supposed to lead me to what comes next. And um, yeah, I, I mean, that whole concept, it's like the meaning of life. Uh, yeah, I mean, whatever. I mean, <laughs> yeah. We can, we can go down search, the yes. search for meaning. That's that's another that's another book that I love. But the point is, yes, that these things happen for a reason. And the great thing in my situation, after over twenty five years of being in my dream industry uh, and creating what was my dream company until it was time to go, um, now I get to do work on my next passion. And how lucky am I that I can do that? So I think that's how. Yeah, we need to look at these situations. But um, we're both female entrepreneurs, and I know a lot of the listeners are, you know, entrepreneurs, or, or they might even be working for a company. Maybe they have a side hustle or something that they're passionate about. And we know that women-owned businesses they're they're on the rise, but they're still predominantly owned by white women, like you and I are. You know, and and there's a, a lot of work to bring. Um, you know, any woman of any race, of any color into entrepreneurship. And so, you know, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about first, what makes women, what do you think makes women good at entrepreneurship? And second, you know, how do we bring more diversity even into women-owned businesses? Well, I think women are amazing at entrepreneurship. And what I'm so excited about is now I get to work with so many women entrepreneurs and Boy, there are so many smart, motivated women out there with great ideas, incredibly uh, service oriented, incredibly detail oriented, incredibly hard workers. Women are amazing at multitasking, and then all the things we hear about women more than men, which are true, is they are more empathetic, more, more. Well, I mean, there are, there are a number of things that make women amazing entrepreneurs. And um, I I think it's such a wonderful time for women and women in entrepreneurship. And um, it's great. There's so many women's groups now where women can learn from right, one another. Yes. That's another thing that I'm finding during this process that I'm going through my next phase is so many women out there who are so motivated and they are helping other women. The way women are helping women, it is so amazing in a way that just women weren't doing back in the day. Not that they weren't good people. It just wasn't the trend. And now it is. And how wonderful is that? And as we know, there are issues in corporate America and in the world as a whole for women in business. And one of the reasons I encourage women to be entrepreneurs is I say, you know, economic power is social power and social power is political power. And these strong, uh, successful entrepreneurs who are women, that's how we are going to change the world, you know, by having them and them creating new companies and new systems. And we're going to get there one entrepreneur at a time, but it's real. We're really on our way. And I think that's so incredibly exciting. And that's a wonderful reason to be a part of supporting women entrepreneurs and for women to be entrepreneurs. Yes, exactly. Right. You know, I want to talk about this a little bit because I think Anytime we throw out something about dreaming big, we talked about this a little bit. There's kind of an other side of it where there's maybe some pushback for from some people. We talk about finding your passion a lot and following your passion and that you should be working on something that you're passionate about. But how do we know if our passion would actually translate into a good and profitable business? 
Yes. And I, that's why I, and, and you're right. There are people out there saying, well, that's great. Of course you want to pursue your passion and the people who can say it are the people who've already been successful and made money. <laughs> right. But right. And I've definitely heard that, but I still think figuring out what you love and sometimes it's a particular industry. And then once you do figuring out a way to make money in that industry, perhaps it's an industry, but, and maybe there are, you know, 10,000 companies out there, but doesn't mean they can't, they can't be doing what they're doing better. They can't be off offering a different product, better service. I mean, oh, more urgency, more of a global presence. I mean, all kinds of things. That's one issue or one part of it. So I think that's very important. And then I think within a number of different industries, if people are, are part of something else and they may have hobbies, but they don't know how to make money with their hobbies, if they are doing some kind of job, but it's not exactly what they want to be doing either trying a whole other industry or within their industry, within their company, looking at what else they can be doing that really leverages the skill, their, the skills they are the parts of the job they like the most, whether it's interacting with people, whether it's solving problems. Uh, I mean, those are kind of general, both of those, but very specific parts of a job, uh, whether it's creating new products. Maybe they're at a company, but they're not in the right part of the company. Mm, so right. I guess those are the things I'd say. Yeah, like Being a- an entrepreneur within a company, coming up with a new idea for the company Ooh. you're at, that's one other thing. That's I one like other- that idea. Yeah. We don't talk about that very often. That's really, that's really interesting. We've had a lot of guests on this show talk about even different types of businesses you can own, whether it's a franchise or you know, we're having a guest on um, in a month that I'm really excited about. And she talks about this idea of buying what she calls boring businesses. So things like, you know, laundromats and car washes and and things that we maybe don't think are glamorous, but when we look at the numbers and we look at, you know, potential revenues start to become very interesting. And so, you know, I think what you're talking about is so important because it's about widening our vision of how we look at entrepreneurship and how we look at our passion. And I think, honestly, how we look at making money. Yes, absolutely. It's about finding ways to make money. Doing what you love is one part of it. And, and solving a problem is the other part of it. There are so many problems out there that we all encounter. And it's just having that mindset how can how can this be done better? How can I solve this problem? And we've seen it over and over with I mean, Steve Jobs, what he did. Uh, one of the things he did, he did many things. One was <laughs> right. taking the black the, the BlackBerry and uh, improving it and creating the iPhone. I mean, and then of course in my book, Dream Big and Win, I talk about um, FedEx and um, how that was uh, overnight delivery service. You know. Sure, it was there, but it wasn't, or delivery services were there, but not with urgency, not overnight. So basically taking what's already out there or, or done in a boring way and making it interesting or better and really solving a problem. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about, you know, what is the book about and and what do you really hope that that readers that pick it up, what do you hope they're going to get out of it? Well, the reason I wrote the book is when I was in my 20s, I would have loved to have had sort of a roadmap, guide, mentor like what my uh, like what I what my book is supposed to be. That's what it is. It is a roadmap app or guide or mentor for people who are either starting off in their careers or starting a business or running a business. And I tried to do it in such a way that it was a fast, easy read, entertaining, vulnerable, authentic, where I wasn't just saying, do this and do that and do this and do that. I was talking about my own experiences and what went right, and the many things that went wrong, and what I learned from them, and what I would do differently next time. So that's really what the purpose of my book is. Are there like, you know, two or three takeaways from the book that just you think really hit home that we like absolutely need to know about these? Well, I definitely think it's one thing to have a dream, but then figuring out, okay, what exactly is your goal? What do you want to do? What do you What's your end goal? And then what? Then setting forth the goals you need to get there. Um, and then making sure you hold yourself to those goals. So I say, you know, say it, set it, do it. And then once you accomplish that, do it again. You know, basically set the next level of goals and the next level of goals and the next level of goals. And I think that's critical because people have lots of ideas, but as far as nailing down the ultimate goal, and then figuring out exactly what they need to do to get there. Not everybody does that. And I think that's super critical. Another thing that I I talk about in the book is sales, sales, sales. Um, (laughs) You can have all the great ideas in the world. You can have a great product, a great infrastructure. But if you're not out there drumming up business, getting the revenue in as quickly as you can, you are going to run out of money, which is the number one reason companies go out of business. So really focus intensely on sales and then make it as soon as you can. So you are not the only salesperson for your company. I mean, assuming you want to scale it, that is absolutely critical because, you know, again, often the entrepreneur is the best salesperson and certainly at least initially, but over time you need to, to scale that if you want to build a world-class company. And then finally, I would say, don't quit. Because, you know, as you mentioned, you mentioned earlier, Shanna, times do get tough. Crazy things happen. But if your heart is in it and you want to achieve that dream and you're making the rules, stick with it, you know, until there's a really good reason not to, and it will pay off. Don't quit. Stay with it. And don't be, last thing, last final 
uh, piece of uh, advice because this was critical for me. Um, I've been a bit of a perfectionist in my life. I still have that issue. Me but too. <laughs> yes. And I think women often have that issue. Not that men don't, but maybe that's one of the women's issues. And I think that can make us great at our jobs, but also I think that can prevent us from doing, from taking action. And I, I know how that works. So just go for it anyway. Be bold. Take that risk. Don't wait till everything is perfect to try uh, to embark on on starting your company or to try a new product or a new tra- strategy. Try it. If it doesn't work, uh, move on to something new, but go and do it. Tell me a little bit more about goals because we talk a lot about all different types of goals on this show. How do you then take, you know, what might feel, I don't know, maybe like a big goal and what sort of advice would you give us? Like, how, how do we break that down into actionable steps that we could we can actually achieve versus just focusing on a big goal and it just, you know, feeling too big, like we're, we're never going to get it. We're never going to be able to achieve this goal. Like, how do we break it into something that is a little bit more manageable? Yes. Well, figuring out what it is. Like, for example, if the goal is a million dollars in revenue, breaking it down, of course, by month and... Uh, then figuring out what you need to do each month to get there. And I mean, and each week and each day. And that's in the early days for us, it was making 300 phone calls a day and sending out 300 letters and not letting ourselves get away with not doing it, just sticking to it and being intense during the day. Because obviously over time, you do not want to work a hundred hours a week, but so being intense during the day, being all in and focused and then getting it done. And then of course, having the break that you need, but being tough on yourself. So I think that's very important, but looking at that ultimate revenue goal and then breaking down the pieces, daily pieces to get there. And that also, in addition to phone calls and letters that may relate to meetings and uh, trade shows and uh, clients, which clients are you going to focus on? So uh, things like that. Another example that I mentioned in the book is at one point, I said to myself, what would I do if I had a boss? Because I don't have a boss right now. But if I did, I sure need to show that boss my goals as far as growing this business. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to act like I have a boss and come up with a plan to open offices. And we're going to open four offices a year, one each quarter. And then I put down on paper, Q1, uh, San Francisco, Q2, Atlanta, Q3, Washington, D.C., Q4, Chicago, and then sticking to it. And you might think, well, that could be quite hard because <laughs> you don't have the people and you don't have the money, right? But then it's it's how you do that. It's in, in our case, we started with one person, just one person. And back then it was in an executive suite. Now people could do it remotely, right? I mean, we all work remotely now. It's a different thing. But then, and then setting up their comp plan so you're paying the minimum, but that person has a big upside. So these are ways you can really stick to goals like that to to scale the company um, for not a lot of money. Yeah, I'm also curious about this. You know, what's the difference between dreaming and dreaming big? Is there a difference between those two things? Yeah, that's a great question. And I guess, I mean, for me, it it was just, if I'm going to start this company, I want to make it the world's premier company. But but certainly people don't need to. Um, but I think people just are tough on themselves and they think, well, 
all I can really do is create a small company or, or I, or I'm not that good. I can't, I can only accomplish this much. And why not shoot for the stars? Because first of all, you will get a lot closer. Even if you don't make it, you'll get a lot closer than you otherwise would have had you not shot for the stars. And it's fun. It's interesting. You have crazy, interesting stories to tell if you dream bigger. So dreaming, I mean, it depends on the person and what they want, but it's very fun and exciting to dream big and no matter what you're doing. And so I, I guess that's really how I look at it. I want to I want to go back just a little bit to being one of the richest self-made women and, and featured in, in Forbes. And, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, people listening right now who are obviously on, on the other side of that wealth building journey. How would you say that building wealth has changed your relationship with money? Has it evolved it in any way? Or do you still kind of principally feel like the same Liz that you were previously? I definitely feel like the same Liz that I was previously because it really wasn't about having so much money. It really wasn't. I think it was just, well, that, you know, when I started, as I mentioned, there were thousands of translation companies out there. And I thought, well, I, I don't want to do what everyone else is doing. And I saw a need for something different. But, but back to your question, I think money, as we've talked about, is great. I think we all need it to be able to not stress about it, to be able to pay for basic expenses, a threshold level of money. But then after that, I, I don't think it's the key. I was never about material items. I mean, sure, I do love clothes. I do. But I think it's really about, life is about experiences for me. And I also find myself so fortunate that I've made the money I have so that I can help others achieve their dreams. And that really is so important because the other big piece of it is I'm one of the lucky ones. I was fortunate to have a great education, great parents as role models who could afford to pay for that education for me. And so many people are born to the wrong, in the wrong zip code or in the wrong situation, whatever it is, uh, you know, and this is what, in, in a marginalized community. And a lot of them, and these are people I'm meeting and women I'm meeting who are so ambitious and so smart and want to solve problems in the world, whether it's big worldwide problems or, or right there in their communities. And I get to work with them. I learn so much from them. And so the money allows me to do that. That's one example of what I'm able to do with the money. But I think for anyone who makes the money, it's wonderful to be able to then apply it to to make the world a better place for all the people who are not so fortunate. And I think that is really one of the, it's really the best thing about having money. I personally love it when someone like Liz, who is listed as the richest self-made woman, is also one of the kindest women. Her book, Dream Big a Win, it's sprinkled with this great combination of practical business advice alongside her humor, wit, and real-life stories along her journey. So no matter what stage you're at in your entrepreneurial journey, Liz's story is just going to inspire you to really push past what you thought was possible. Her book, Dream Big and Win, is available everywhere books are sold. And yeah, it's now become a staple on my bookshelf as well. If you enjoyed this episode, do me the highest favor. Head on over to whatever podcast player you're listening to this in right now. Give us five stars, a rate and review the episode. You can head to the show notes for all the links to our episode guests, as well as the sponsors who make this show possible. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. Oh,